Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John and you have found me at the Off the Bench podcast. I'm gonna take some time today and answer listener questions. It's one of my favorite days of the week here at the show. Stick around. I think you're gonna be encouraged. Well, I'm gonna jump right into your questions today. There are a lot of them. I'll see how many I can get through. If you would like to have your question answered here at the Off the Bench podcast, you know how to do it. Go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. And that's where you will find a form to fill out. Please keep your questions short and sweet and to the point. And the, the likelihood of that they will be addressed here at the show goes way, way up when you do it that way. All right. First question comes from Hannah. And she is asking about what a word Bible study is. In other words, Is there any uh, validity to it? Why would you do a word Bible study? Well, Bible studies are, can be accomplished a variety of different ways. And the most important thing during a Bible study is that we observe the text. K. Arthur famously said, we want to let scripture interpret scripture. So as we make observations, we're eventually going to come across words that we either don't understand or we've never heard of before. And we always want to uh, not skip over those or just assume that we understand what they're, what they're talking about, what the author is talking about. So the purpose of doing a word study is to figure out what the author was writing in the original language. And this can be as easy or as difficult as you want it to be. Many of my friends, and in fact, when I went to Bible college years ago, we did something called inductive study. And again, an inductive study can take you as far into the text or you can be shallow uh, if you want to be. But usually when people do word studies, they're going to be looking at the Greek and the Hebrew. They're going to be looking at the syntax. Uh, They're going to be trying to figure out what it is the author was trying to convey in the original language. Really important reminder is that while word studies are important, the words must be understood in context. Context is king in Bible study. And without context, we can easily misunderstand uh, what the author is trying to say. This happens all the time in modern Christianity where we find ourselves cherry picking a verse out of the Bible and then we apply our meaning to it rather than reading the passages before it, the passages after that verse and figuring out the context of the Bible passage that we're trying to understand in context. A couple of places I would love for you guys to go check out if you're interested in doing a word study and you can even do that on my studies that I am doing right now. We are releasing People Get Ready. It is a three-month study in the book of Revelation. We're going to go through the entire book. Uh, I think you guys are going to love it. It's an encouraging book. A lot of people think, well, Revelation is um, is a discouraging book to read, and it's all about you know judgment and the end of the world. And really, it is about how things on this earth are going to wrap up, but it's also a story of mercy. And you can see God's unfolding grace toward human beings We are made in his image and he loves us. And you could call, I mean, I'm calling my revelation study, people get ready, but you could call it the king is coming. He is coming. And if you want to understand the book of Revelation, join me and you can sign up right now for that because we're just getting started. You can sign up right now at faiththatspeaks.com or momstronginternational.com. They both go to the same place. And it's also a great place for you to do a word study. Uh, In a lot of the Bible studies that I write, I access something called the Blue Letter Bible, and you can find it at blueletterbible.org. It's one of many 
free online Bible resources that are great to use for word studies. And uh, they also have an app version. I absolutely love it. I, I have been writing Bible studies for many years and I love using Blue Letter Bible. I also subscribe to Bible Gateway and they've got access to hundreds of commentaries. Uh, the more tools you have at your disposal when you study the word, the better. And so I appreciate that question, Hannah. Thanks for sending it in. We had an Apple podcast review left by Frog Friend Fiverrooney. I love your, your handles, you guys, on, uh, on YouTube. It's pretty funny. She said, excellent listening. Love Heidi's straightforward words of encouragement brought forth in truth and love. It's helpful to hear that others are thinking and struggling in the same way. And I love the constant reminders of what God says about each issue. Heidi does well to speak to these issues thoughtfully, truthfully, and articulately. Thank you for that review. Uh, I really appreciate it. Listen, in an age where we are so polarized, right? We're polarized absolutely politically. We are polarized in the church. Uh, Revelation actually could be considered a polarizing study. And so I open up that study by just reminding everybody that we have areas of Christian freedom, Christian liberty, where we can look at a particular passage and maybe uh, a pastor friend of mine may disagree with my understanding of it and somebody on the other side of an, an eschatological argument may have a different perspective. In other words, somebody might think the rapture is going to come before the tribulation, then other people think it's going to happen in the middle. And yet there are others that think it won't happen until the tribulation is over. I do not subscribe to that particular point of view. I believe in a pre-tribulation view of the rapture of the church, but these are not issues that should divide Christians. These are uh, These answers eventually are going to be found because we're going to be able to ask the Lord about them someday. So uh, I believe that the best way for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish in studying the Bible, particularly as it relates to things where we have liberty and we may disagree, is to ask the Lord to give us unity and his heart in it. So I hope you guys will join me again. I'm just going to plug that Revelation study all day today because I think you're going to love it. Uh, we had several comments left on a podcast I did called Encouragement for a Church in Exile. Um, Sam said, what a great message of encouragement. And mine, Ver Pullet. I don't, I don't know, you guys. I'm going to quit reading your names because I can't figure it out. She said, thank you, Heidi. So encouraging and uplifting. I appreciate that, you guys. I really do. My staff reads those uh, comments that you guys leave both on YouTube and at Rumble and at iTunes and Spotify. They put them into a document and send them to me. So I want to thank you guys for sending those in and leaving reviews for the show. Uh, anywhere that podcast reviews are left, especially at iTunes and Spotify. We had a question about a church youth group from an anonymous listener. She said, Heidi, my family has recently started visiting a new church. My preteens attended a youth event last week and they had a blast. However, they were split into separate groups and the leader of each group gave their phone number out to students saying they could call if they ever needed to talk to someone about something they couldn't talk to their parents about. This made my children uncomfortable and my daughter came home asking what it was that she wouldn't be able to talk to me about. I feel undermined by this church. I contacted the director about the wording of the youth group leaders and he replied by saying they serve a very diverse group and some children can't talk to their parents and they want every child to know that they have someone to talk to. Am I being oversensitive? No, you're not being oversensitive because we're watching in the schools right now that the 
teachers under the guise of making sure that nobody gets, you know, quote unquote, abused are advising these students to come and talk to them and giving them their uh, opinion about everything from human sexuality to where they came from, to religion, to all things that really are the purview of parents. And so, yes, it bothers me greatly, especially since you don't know this youth pastor that he's saying, hey, kid, you know, I'm available. Listen, just because someone's a youth pastor, just because someone has the, the title pastor after their name does not make them a trustworthy person. Sometimes people have the, the title of pastor after their name and they shouldn't be a pastor. And so uh, that would concern me greatly. And in fact, if I was attending that church, my, my uh, posture toward that youth pastor would be, listen, if you want to offer your phone number to a student, you should talk to the parents first. Parents are the primary line of defense for their children. I don't think you're overreacting. And, and frankly, I think it's hogwash when a church youth pastor says, well, we're serving a very diverse group of children. Uh, that's been true since the dawn of time. Now we're just handling it by circumventing the parents. Eh, that's a big no from Heidi St. John. Another anonymous listener in Oregon says they are allowing a support group for LGBT youth at our church. This doesn't seem okay to me. Again, we are living in an age of woke and undiscerning churches and undiscerning pastors. You, I wouldn't have an LGBT group at my church for the same reason I wouldn't have a group for confessing adulterers or people that struggle with lying. Uh, it's all sin. And we can address that very clearly from the pulpit. We can address it in our youth groups. We can talk to people about how they become free of sin, any sin, right? Uh, it just so happens that in our culture, we are absolutely 100% obsessed with sexual sin. We're obsessed with sex in our, in our culture. As uh, my friend last Friday so rightly pointed out, Seth Gruber said, our culture is fascinated by two things, child sacrifice and sex. And we see this now rearing its ugly head in the church. I was just uh, driving down Mill Plain Avenue on my way to work the other day here in Vancouver, and I saw a church that had the transgender flag flying out in front of it and a big poster that said, everyone is welcome. Listen, everyone is welcome at the church. Nothing has changed. You know what's changed? When you see that transgender flag, when you see that acceptance of LGBTQ youth, when you see this push to bring them into the church, what you know is what we've done is we've said, we're not going to talk to you about sin that separates you from God. We're going to make you feel comfortable in your sin. That bothers me right off the bat. So uh, that would not be church that I would have anything to do with. And it, again, listen, I, I don't have any trouble with churches that want to minister to people who are trying to get out of the homosexual lifestyle or the transgender lifestyle. Because you guys know that Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's healing and hope in the gospel. And that is true across the board. Whether the sin that you're struggling with is a sexual sin and it's, and it's heterosexual or whether it's homosexual, maybe you're struggling with your tongue and having a hard time controlling your tongue. Maybe you're struggling with gossip. The Bible says that God wants to set you free from those things. And as believers, we want to grow closer to the Lord as we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And up until the time the Lord takes us home, that's the journey that we're on, is trying to say no to sin and yes to the, and yes to the cross, yes to Jesus. And so this singling out of this one particular sin, uh, it drives me a little bit bonkers. We got lots of sins to deal with, not just that one, but the church is fixated on it, just like the rest of the culture. I don't like that. Again, eh, Heidi St. John says a big no. Uh, Shelby in Oregon 
how to deal with doctor's offices requiring masks. Ah, here we go again, you guys. With the second coming of masks, we're seeing how do we resist and not comply when we need medical care. This has been my one hang up on masking. If I or my family should need medical care and we aren't allowed into a building for labs or imaging, should we just do it? Should we just mask up? And in an emergency, we'd have to mask or there's no admittance to the hospitals where I live. It hasn't made a comeback yet, but I'm sure that it will. Listen, I have very few places where I would tolerate uh, a mask rule and a hospital is one of them. I think it's stupid, but if you need medical care or if you need to see a loved one who's in the hospital and the only way that you can see that loved one is to put that stupid face diaper on your face and pretend like it works, then uh, by all means, put the mask on. I would encourage you, however, find a doctor that does not require it. There are a lot of them out there now who are sick of this garbage and they're saying, listen, masks don't work against viruses. Everybody knows it. People wear, uh, doctors and nurses wear masks in surgery to keep their spit, their saliva from dropping into an open body cavity there's good reasons for surgeons to wear masks, but guess what? Stopping the spread of the Rona ain't one of them. And so this, to me, again, we're back to these tyrannical dictates. Do not comply. But I'm telling you what, if you have to go to the hospital, I wouldn't miss the birth of my son. Uh, in other words, because I'm standing up against a mask mandate, I continue to think it's the height of stupidity. And I hope that more and more people this time wake up and that people like Heidi St. John are not alone in our standing up against these tyrannical dictates. If the government wants to give us a suggestion, super. But you, these mandates, these dictates, these we're gonna close your businesses unless you get a shot or a mask, uh, no. This is unconstitutional and we know now and we've it's been proven that they have lied to us. And the instances of myocarditis from the shot and all these other things that are now coming out three years too late, when tens of thousands of people have been irreparably harmed, including Megan Kelly, who, by the way, I saw her say that she has now has been diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder after getting both the shot and the booster. And then right after she got the booster, she got COVID. Now she has an autoimmune disease. And her doctor said this was absolutely caused by that booster. Do not get these shots. They are unproven and untested and unnecessary. Unnecessary. My goodness. Uh, Heidi, what's your view on The Chosen? My middle schooler's Bibles teacher is using this show once a week to watch and study scripture from. I'm against anything not biblically true as a means of studying God's word. All right, so there are lots of good people that I know that have different opinions on The Chosen. As a general rule, if you're just looking for something wholesome for your family to watch, I enjoyed it. We watched it with our family. Would I use it for a Bible study? Heck to the no. No to the no, no, no. You know what you do for a Bible study? You read the Bible. So read the Bible and then watch The Chosen and you can go, oh, hey, this was in The Chosen and not in the Bible or this was in the Bible but not in The Chosen and you'll start to see very quickly that there are some things that have been left out. That being said, I enjoyed The Chosen but I would not use it as a substitute for studying scripture. I would use it as a Friday night past the popcorn. This is a great uh, thing to watch that's life-giving for my family and not horrifying like most of the things are on Netflix and uh, and the internet right now. Uh, Sarah in South Carolina has a great question about legalism. She said she's a new listener and a new mom to her first baby, a girl who is nine months old. Congratulations, uh, Sarah, on your foray into motherhood. Be the best thing that you ever do. 
Uh, I want the best for her, and I've been praying for wisdom and discernment in raising her to know and love the Lord. Our world and culture is so full of evil that I keep finding myself having to establish rules for our family to keep our eyes off the culture and focused on Christ. Things like music we listen to, entertainment, books, and the future of homeschooling, biblically. I don't want to be the overbearing legalistic mom whose children rebel against the boundaries we set. I grew up with not enough rules and boundaries and what with what I was exposed to, and it was detrimental to my youth, and I fell away from the Lord. Please give me advice on this. Our daughter is very young, and I genuinely want to establish a strong biblical foundation and love of the Lord in my daughter. Uh, one of the things that, uh, this is a great question, Sarah, and one of the things that I would say to you right off the bat is, as parents, we want our children to want to follow the Lord by the example that we set. Rules without relationship will always equal rebellion. And so you need to you need to really pray about, you know, what are the hills that I want to die on? I've seen a lot of parents uh, not continue in right relationship with their teenagers because that teenager you know, wanted to dye their hair purple or whatever it is. And the rules became too much for that child to bear up under. Or maybe there was not enough forgiveness in the house or not enough grace. Your children need grace just like you do. And so I am a huge fan of being in the word with your kids, making the Bible something that they look forward to reading every day, whether maybe you put out milk and cookies or you uh, you make going to church on Sunday something that they really look forward to because after church you always go out for lunch or whatever that is, so that your kids have a good um, remembrance of how you brought them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Heavy-handed rules will never result in the outcome that you want. And in fact, we've seen this in the homeschool movement over and over and over again. And so just the fact that you are already cognizant of this tells me you are going to be a great mom. And for those of you listening, if you have a teenager in particular, uh, one of my favorite books that was written by Paul David Tripp is called Age of Opportunity. I would encourage you to look for that book where he really focuses, zeroes in on the heart of your child. That's what you're after. And when your children are young, yes, it is about obedience and it is about rules, but eventually that will translate into how uh, your child respects you and what relationship you have uh, made with your child over the years. And so I'd encourage you, Sarah, I think you're very much on the right path here. And I'm excited for you. Don't forget, I've got a brand new devotional for moms. It just came out called Mom Strong 365. And you can find that anywhere that books are available. Also, I've written uh, several books for mothers, obviously, Becoming Mom Strong, Prayers for the Battlefield, Bible Promises for Moms. Uh, it's really just an arsenal of what I think are some wonderful resources for you as you raise your children to love the Lord. All right, I got time for, it looks like one more today. Another question about my uh, about Revelation, I studied in the book of Revelation. She said, Heidi, I love listening to you and your guests. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sarah in Indiana. My kids are requesting that we read and study the book of Revelation. Usually we just read through a book together, but with this one, I'm having a hard time understanding it, much less explaining it. Do you have a suggestion or a resource you have used to study Revelation that's geared toward kids? All right, so you guys know that I write my studies in a way that you can also teach what we're studying to your kids. Revelation is no different. It comes with a component called Kids Strong, and you can bring your children up to understand and not be afraid of what we read in the book of Revelation. I grew up 
under the teaching of my grandmother who loved to teach Revelation. And I never was afraid of what that book said because I understood that it was hope. What it says is one of these days, the king is going to return. and He is going to set things right. And as Seth Gruber said the other day, we will all be, those of us who love the Lord Jesus and have accepted him into our heart, we'll all be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what will your testimony be at that supper? We're going to talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb in my book series on Revelation. And so I hope you guys will sign up for that. You can go to momstronginternational.com or faiththatspeaks.com. Both of those places will allow you to sign up for that study. And I think you're going to be blessed and encouraged. Revelation is the only book of the Bible that lists that it it has a special blessing for those who read and study it. And I think part of the blessing is what we'll find out in eternity to come. And part of the blessing happens right now when our hearts are at peace and we understand that God's plan for all of human history is unfolding and he will have his way. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the Off the Bench podcast. Listen, love your people well today, you guys. And I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me. HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. If you are a VIP subscriber, uh, then you will know that there is a special way to get a hold of me. And we are going to be giving away five copies of my book to people who are subscribed to the show. We'll be doing that at some point this week. If you would like to subscribe to the Heidi St. John podcast, just hop on over to Spotify and click on the subscribe button. And at least uh, twice and hopefully three times a week, you will be getting extended podcast from me. We appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Get off the bench, get onto the battlefield, and I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.